Welcome to the Best Hour of Their Day podcast with your hosts, Jason Fernandez. And me, Jason Ackerman. With more than 20 years in the business, as both coaches and affiliate owners, our passion is to help create world-class affiliates and coaches by building better boxes. Welcome to the best hour of your day. All right, Fern. One of the first things affiliate owners delegate is coaching. I don't know if that's an accurate statement, but I'll go with it. I'll bite. (laughs) No, you don't think that's accurate. I think, you know, you open a box, oftentimes a solo project, maybe a couple or a business partner. And then you're like, okay, I can't coach 30 hours a week and do everything else that needs to get done. That is an accurate statement. I I would argue it is one of the first things that, that is something to at least partially delegate. Because if I think um, like when I started, I was doing it part-time. So there's actually no option not to delegate in that scenario. And so you have to, you have to, you're forced to delegate, right? It's, I don't, I don't, and delegate is even a strong word that delegate would mean like I actively made a decision to hand this off. Whereas like most people are like, it's not even an option for me. It's like a, I don't even know how to call I don't even know what you would call it. Yeah. It's mandatory, right? Like that's how it was for me. I, needed coaches. I was just like, okay, I can't coach all these classes or I've got other obligations. So for a lot of people. Yeah. I I guess I would say like the, so coaching on the floor is, is will eventually. And so meaning like short, medium or long timeframe be the thing that becomes the main bottleneck for the owner. If they, if they cannot get off of the floor and replace themselves with at least a, uh, a suitable replacement or a suitable substitute, then we can make some serious assumptions about the rest of the business. Um, and this is why, so this is a, this is a inside of affiliate U we have levels one through four gyms. And one of the criteria in our, it's kind of like the, um, the level uh, four um, CrossFit credential, right? That only one of us has is that you, there's a cumulative score, right? And then there's a, and then you, you have, there's certain boxes you have to check, right? So if I miss dynamic queuing both classes, then regardless of my cumulative score, I won't pass. So in the, in the level three, there, I have to be able to check the box of, I can choose to, to coach more, but you only can be required to coach 15% or less of the classes. Meaning like that's how we determine that it is one of the criteria for you being a level three gym, which is you have to be 15% or lower inside of coaching classes. The reason that we chose 15% is because if I'm, if I have a box owner that is coaching more than 15%, that means that they are a significant bottleneck in fulfillment, which, so let's just look at, uh, let's do some quick math here. If you were doing 135 classes uh, a month, um, times 0.15, that'd be 20 classes a month that you would be coaching. Okay. And let's just say that you had a couple of part-time coaches and another one was coaching, um, 25 to 30 classes. If I lose one coach at this point, I go from 15% to roughly 40% or almost half of total fulfillment. At which point we can make a ton of assumptions about your ability to allocate time to 
developing the staff, managing your sales pipeline, you know, building administrative processes, like all the shit that's not fun, but is definitely required to run a, a an efficient box. Um, so it, it's going to be the main bottleneck at some point if you're if you're trying to grow the affiliate. So it's I don't know if it's the first thing, but it, it's the most pivotal thing that would have to be you'd have to build a team around in order to run the box. Well, the whole point of this is helping affiliates do a better job bringing on staff because as we realized very quickly, we needed help, but it's not easy to just bring someone on to cover classes. I, I think there's two, there's two primary buckets of people here. So there's, there's bucket A, which is I have no options. I have to bring on somebody now. And then there's like, I'm on no particular timeline, but I know I'm going to need a coach to come onto staff. So we've talked about this before. The, you, you have to make coaches. Like you, you're not going to find them. That's not how it works. You have to make coaches. I know I've never really found one that worked, right? Like I, occasionally one might fall in your lap. I can think of like one time when that happened, but it's like, that's not, but I've been open for 14 years. Right? Like, so it's not something you should count on. Um, you're going to have to hand that off eventually. So you have to start figuring out like what, what, what bucket do I fall in? Do I, do I have to have somebody right now or do I have as much time as I need? At which one I need to start building whatever that process is to bring on a good teammate. Like I'm getting ready to hire another kid. Um, like we just agreed upon. I got to send him a, uh, uh, a draft contract and he'll be here in like a month or two. I don't know, but, um, moving there from Mississippi. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Now full disclosure he came here and did an internship to finish college. He was here for like three months and then he got his level three. He, you know, he went from being okay. Actually, he went from being not great to being his last class. Actually, I don't even remember why, but Dave was here. Dave Castro. Yeah. And he was in the class and Caleb was I remember the class. when he was in town. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember why he was, he was in there, yeah. but he came in and he worked out with the class. Um, and uh, Caleb coached the class and like he coached his ass off. Like he was cueing Dave and I was like, it's a ballsy move, man, but I appreciate your fervor for this profession. And, um, but in three months, like I was just like, I was like, that was a, that was good. You know? So I'm not, I'm, he was already here. We put a lot of work into that. And then some things shuffled in our staff and I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye open. And then that we just kind of like, I were like, yo, are you interested? Like we might be filling this. And he was like, yeah. And then we went back and forth for like a month and I was like, okay, great. But he had already checked many boxes. Right. So. Well, with affiliates, they don't often have a level three moving to their, to their box. So let, let's Why talk not? about it. Why not? Let's talk fair, about it. Fair. Right, like they, they could, but typically an affiliate recognizes they need some help for, for a handful of reasons. Um, they, they're just unable to coach all the classes anymore. Like you said, 120 classes a month is, is a daunting task, but also, you know, things like you know, their onboarding is no longer running smoothly. They're, they're not able to assimilate members into class. So lots of different reasons for bringing somebody on. Then they bring somebody on and there's a whole nother, you know, doorway of problems opens. 
I mean, my experience has been if you bring people in, if, if there is no filtering process for bringing people in, you will have a, you will have a high percentage of problems. Now the, the filter has, has actually nothing to do with time, right? Like I can filter somebody quickly or I can filter them over a long period of time, but the, but the parameters of the filter would be the same. So you can do both. Now over time, you'll pick up more things obviously, but you could pick up on quite a bit, you know, quickly. Um, what would be know. some of the things you look for quickly? Like, what is their general level of politeness and and like general awareness in public settings? You know, like that, that's a big one for me. No, like, that, are, that's that's a good one. You know, like, are are they are they generally understanding of social etiquette? Um, and then are they are they timely? Is a big one, and, and meaning are, are they timely in how they respond to emails? Are they timely in uh, response to text? If you're doing that, are they t are they? If you had a meeting and they showed up two minutes late versus they were there 15 minutes early, those are the things that you know, give me a pretty solid peek into the future for what a good teammate is going to be. Because if, if I think, who is it? I might've been Kristen Bowen. Cabo, she was talking about this. She's like, we're talking about interns. And I forgot who said this, but like the, the an intern that shows up to seminar staff, that is the best you're ever going to see them. Yeah, that's funny. So if like, if that's not a good experience, I'm like, that's their best effort is this terrible experience you just had, right? And it's the same thing for somebody who's going to come on. If like, if, if, if your first experience is awful, that's the best that you're going to get out of that person in, in all likelihood. This is like, well, shit, like, I don't need to know any more than that. I don't care what their skill set is. This will only deteriorate. <laughs> yeah, you're getting like a, fir a first date, basically. Yeah, first date who like looked like they hopped out of bed, was late, and ordered the most expensive thing on the menu and expected you to pay. <laughs> it, you know, the, the challenge to what you're saying is for a lot of affiliates, they are just in desperate need of, of a coach. Correct. So, and, and I think there, there's two different scenarios that I have experienced. One is I have to solve a problem immediately, at which point I just have to recognize that that is not going to be ideal, but that's not actually the problem. The problem is that I didn't do this earlier, right? That's the real problem that we have to address over time is that there was no, I was not thinking about this into the future. And we talked about this endlessly, which is like, you're always one coach removed away from being back on the floor. Um, and and I've had this call many times on small group calls this week. It's like, I've got a coaching issue. Somebody brought it up and they're like, hey, so-and-so gave me, uh, he's leaving at the end of December. And mind you, the person that's talking to me about this is like, this person has been an issue for a while. Okay. And I'm like, what do I do? And I was like, well, I'm going to do a little of I told you here. So, or, or I told you so here, but I'm like, what, what you should have done was solved this six months ago, because that would have been you would have been in control in the scenario instead of now you feel like your back's against the wall because I let this person stay here because it was just convenient for me. Okay. Now, so lesson learned, I'm not trying to give you a black eye, but I'm, I also 
as as a teacher, I'm not, I don't want to bypass that because that's actually the problem. The problem is that he's leaving. The problem is that you let him stay for six months longer than you should have. So, but now I do have to solve that problem, which is like find a good teammate first. We talked about this always, right? Like take somebody who you want to work with, who's awful at the craft over somebody who is really hard to work with, who's pretty good. Every Higher day of the week. Yeah. Higher for personality. Like you can develop the skill. I mean, anyone listening that disputes that needs to be reminded they were a really bad coach. Um, have you have you seen the uh the Simon Sinek uh talk about the Navy SEALs and it's like uh it's like high skill, so it's skill and trust on the axis, right? So so there's like there are four quadrants in there. And in the top right corner, which is like high skill, high trust. And then, or no, uh, sorry. It's a high skill, low trust, I think. Anyway. It's like the, the Eisenhower is, matrix. Just yes, it's very, it's very similar like that. And, and what they all said is they would take somebody who was a, of a, of a medium skill set and high trust yeah, over sure. somebody who is the highest level skill set and low trust inside yeah. of that environment. And not to say we're going to war or, or making any sort of weird analogy like that, but you should think of it through that lens, which is, I don't care if they're good. I care if I can trust them because everything else can is, is, is significantly easier if I trust you as, as a teammate. So start there. Do I trust you? And, and trust looks like many different things, right? At the affiliate level, it's some of the things you mentioned earlier. Do I trust this person to show up on time? Where a clean t-shirt, have a lesson plan. Like those things are far more important than. Well, yeah, do I just, do I trust you to do what you're supposed to do? Right. Like just simply stated, like just do, not like at a high level, just, just do it in, at, it on any level whatsoever. Right. Because if you do that, it shows me a level of a consistency, not proficiency, but with consistency comes proficiency. So I can, if I start with consistency, proficiency is almost inevitable. Because it would be impossible not to become proficient if you were simply consistent. Yeah, and, and for, for so many current coaches or affiliate owners, they forget like that's how they started. They We were all garbage. You're still garbage. Yeah. You've been doing this for 15 years. <laughs> Level four. So, all right, and let's talk about- three, You're three and a half. That's, I'm, re, I'm reclassifying your designation. Yeah, three round it up. Round three, up. No, three, three and a half. Not, that's, that's down. You don't round up. 3.5 goes up. No, no, but you, you think you're a four. You're just a 3.5. <laughs> then I'll change it. Then it's 3.4 and we'll round down. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the other problems we, we see. Uh, they bring on a new coach and they don't get along with the rest of the team, but they're great on the floor. So I, I have seen this. And in my experience, that person is both a current and, but more importantly, a, a significant future problem. So, Absolutely. because what, yeah, because essentially that they will become a cancer to the team and, um, but not necessarily to the clients, mm -hmm. at which point this person starts to wield more influence inside of the client. And this is, this is the age old story of every gym ever that the coach left and everybody left with them. And if we reverse engineered it all the way back to them, like they were a shitty teammate from the start. And then you left them there because they were a pretty good coach. And that's an air quotes because it's not even the case. But they were also quasi-charismatic. 
at which point people kind of gravitated to them and they torpedo the box right now ultimately that is the box's responsibility and it, they're accountable for that but the, that I think most people look at them like, well, they're pretty good on the floor, but I'm like, if, yeah, but if you, if you project into the future, what that's going to mean, and there's how many scenarios of this can you think of off the top of your head? A dozen. Yeah. A, yeah, a dozen. And like by name, I could probably name them. And I think that's the more important piece is like, you're, it's like, what does your future self want you to do right now? Probably not take this person who everybody hates working with. That's probably not what your future self wants you to do right now. And I think that's really important to, to think about that. And in my experience, when I've done this, when I've made poor hiring decisions in the past, it's because I was trying to avoid the short-term pain, not acknowledging that the long-term repercussions of that were significantly worse. Yeah. And I mean, the number of times you and I have experienced helping an owner get rid of a coach like this to see the sense of relief they have is off the charts. I I can't think of anybody who didn't feel better after they did it, you know, yeah. now, so let's, let's, let's not get into the firing piece of there, but like everybody gets the point here now. So let's go, let's play devil's advocate. Worst case scenario, you don't have an option to other than to take this person, right? This is you're, literally the only person. It's like the end of the world. This is the only CrossFit coach left and he's a turd. Okay. Jason Ackerman. Okay. Here the, I am. Yeah. Hire me. <laughs> take Hire me. me. <laughs> take me. Here I am. The, um, the, the secondary thing. Okay. So look, assume that you have some reservations about this. And then what I did in my experience was I was just like, all right, I've got some time. I've got some breathing room here and I just put them on the floor and I let them run. And that is where the mistake happens. Because if I'm already kind of aware my spidey senses are up that this person is a problem in some way, shape or form. And then I and then I'm never there to course correct this person to to let them know be like, yo, you can't do that here. Or this is how we do things and blah, blah, blah. That problem only gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the longer I let it go, the harder it gets to rein in. Right. So it's like if you if you have kids, right? So like the longer you let your kids do things they're not supposed to, the harder it gets to try to enforce new rules. So if you have, if your kids are on tablets all the time and you never cut them off on tablets, you just let them watch tablets just unfettered for hours and hours on end. And then and then one day you're just like, hey. We're going to not watch tablets for like 10 minutes and then full blown meltdown happens. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, forget how you feel about tablets. That's not the point. The point is if I was slowly and be like, Hey, you can't watch that during these times, right? I'll have a fit right there and then they'll get along. Right. And it's the same thing for a coach. If that coach is giving people problems and I fail to address it because they're filling a void that is painful for me. Now that coach now has leverage over me in my affiliate with my team and my clients. And this becomes a serious problem. Um, so that's the that's the second piece is like, okay, assume that you and I've been there, like you need somebody great, I got a less than ideal candidate who's kind of hard to work with. Why well, then I need to interact at a higher frequency now, in order to like set the standard. 
and what I'll tell you is most of these people will, if if they can't get past that level of feedback, be like, hey, this is how we do things, man. I know that's how you did it at, you know, best hour fitness or whatever it was you were doing before you started CrossFit, then then they'll self-select out. Most of those people don't want or they're not okay with feedback anyway. Man, like when I'll post about feedback and people or evaluations and people are like, I can't believe you do evaluations that often. They're they're bad. And I'm like, you're just either unreceptive to feedback or not very good at giving feedback. But these coaches need to be well expecting it's feedback. All- well, also, I think that you that it was it, it, that leads me to believe where at least my experience is that when this is when this has pushback on the feedback thing, it's because it wasn't implemented correctly. Mm-hmm. There was no there was no um, there was no clarity on what the measurement for success was. Meaning, like they have no idea what they're actually being evaluated on. At which point, everybody would be uneasy, you know. So, but no feedback doesn't have to be. Uh, painful or uncomfortable or any of that stuff. I have a, it should be great. Yeah. I have two interns right now. And like I was, I walked into a conversation yesterday of one of our newer coaches giving kind of walking through uh, an intern or or whatever, through some stuff. And like, they were having a fantastic conversation that was feedback on the previous class. And he was walking through where he made mistakes and he was giving them some, some tips and tricks on that. And I'm like, bro, this is it. This is what we're supposed to be doing. It's not supposed to be like, you suck. It's be like, Hey, here's how you get good. Let's, let's talk about this. If I let a coach go to hire someone else, nobody on the current staff can coach that class and I'll have to do it or cancel the class. This going back to what we talked about firing is often the biggest stress. Like, well, if I get rid of someone, I have to coach it. Correct. What do you have to say about it? Cause same, same people, once they but- fire and they're like, I have to coach it. They're like, oh yeah, I love coaching. This is better than dealing with someone on my staff that I don't like. Well, but you should know that going in, meaning like it's your business, right? I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting that it's fun, right? To have to go in and, and, and go from not from coaching three classes a day to coaching five, but it is your business. Like you're responsible for it. And that's, that's an, that's an own, that's a, um, it's a, it's uncomfortable and I've I've I do remember like once I fully acknowledge it like everything that happens here is on me. So I just gotta be okay with that. Like I gotta be okay with maybe one day having to coach a hundred classes a month. What would I do to avoid that now becomes a question. But like if it happens, like just get myself in the mindset of like, yeah, that's what that's what will happen. If if that if we get to that scenario, the the show will go on and it'll just be a lot of the fern show, right? back to back we'll go back in time you know and yes i what's what's the other option i think is always my question is like you 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 keep a bad apple on the team so that you can not coach five classes a week worst case scenario you get a pay raise right yeah absolutely well i think for a lot of owners when they have to get rid of a coach it's a little stressful as far as the workload. It's also, I think, feels like they did something wrong. They lost. Yes. I, I, I fully can see why people would feel that way. 
because like you love this thing, you built it, you feel responsible for it. So then something went wrong and now I blame myself and I feel like a failure. But the, but the, the reality is, is like, that's no different than having a bad workout. It's not indicative of you as a person. It's going to happen eventually. What's more important, I think, is like, what, what do you do with that situation? Like, do, do you take it as a scarlet letter and, and, and shame yourself? Or do you learn something to make sure that it never happens again? And then actually strengthen the culture inside of the team. You know, so I think a lot of those instances are not are not um, opportunities for shame, but I think they're opportunities for clarity. Like, hey, we fired we fired Joe, and everybody's like, oh shit! And I'm like, yeah, we're not tolerating that anymore. Like, and as and as painful it is, is I I, I will do it all myself before I ever do that again. Well, that's There's... what they don't typically do. They don't typically own it and say that. Like, as bad as this is. I'm I'm taking ownership and I'll I'll coach every class if I need. Which I get. Like nobody likes to stand up in front of a group and be like, I suck shit today. Like, that's not comfortable. Well it and, is and- it is super um actually I disagree. I, I think it is very comfortable I, I think once you learn to do that it because it's a, it's a massive relief like, yep it's my fault I, you rarely hear an owner get rid of a coach and say you know what wrong fit my fault moving on I, i'll give you an example i did this um re, i don't know if we talked about this already but the we had some uh, we were dealing with some tech issues over the past like two months, right? So like the anybody who's a gym owner who had like go high level, like this A2P thing with texting and then we had website issues. But like, I mean, it was just one disaster. For another. Like the website was completely down for 10 days and it was just just rolling shit storm that is just like really painful stuff. And um, as we were going through it, I kind of do what I normally do, which is like, I don't overreact to things. I just kind of, work through the problem and I direct traffic and blah, 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 blah. So what did everybody do? They kind of responded in kind. They're just like, all right, we'll just kind of continue going through. And as we were kind of wrapping up and and fixing the problem, I realized I had made a significant leadership error, which was there's a time and a place to yell fire. Right. And so the, the, the analogy would be like, if, if, if I'm sitting in the house, I'm sitting in my living room with my family and the house is burning down. I'm like, Hey guys, it's going to be fine. <laughs> We're all going to die. And I'm not saying you should freak out, but the appropriate response would be like, I need everybody to get the fuck up. And I need you to very calmly, but very quickly move to the front door and do what I tell you to do. Got it. Everybody's like, oh shit, this is like serious. And what I realized is like I had not expressed the appropriate level of the of the degree of the problem to the team. So everybody just assumed, like, well, he's not he's not treating it as a as a problem. So I'm not going to treat it as a problem. And I went back to them and I was like, hey, I fucked up. I did not express how big of a fucking problem this was to you guys. And that is on me. And I said, so I'm going to reset the table. I'm like, if this happens again. We have a 48-hour window to get this rectified. And if not, everything will come to a full stop until we get this fixed. Everything. I was like, I'll cancel classes. I will do everything. 
but that cannot happen again. <clears throat> and it wasn't, it wasn't like a huge thing. It didn't like tank the business, but like it hurt. And, um, but the point was, is like, that's a leadership thing. So you walk in and be like, yo, I fucked up guys. Like I, I should have like screamed fire so that everybody would have reacted appropriately. Right. Particularly if you're not somebody that does that often. Right. It's like a coach who never yells and the day they yell at you, you're like, oh my God. Right. I don't know if you had any coaches like that, but I had coaches that were screamers and I had coaches that weren't screamers and the coaches that weren't screamers. Like when they did scream, everybody was like, yeah, locked. They were like, whoa, what's going on? Like we're in deep shit, you know? And it's kind of the same thing. And the, going on to like, this, like, go ahead and own it. Like, I don't, I think it's, I think it's actually empowering. I think the team trusts you more. I think you, I think you become okay with ownership of problems. And, but more importantly, you, to me, that typically signals that to a degree that you just understand that things break. It's not, it's not always good or bad. It just is. It's inevitable as an affiliate. It's inevitable, yeah. right? Like things are going to break. Like you're going to make bad decisions. Like you're going to hire somebody or bring on a coach that you regret. Just How you handle go. those. Right. Just let them go. Like, All right. So let's give something we've talked a little bit about it, but you're, you're not going to have the perfect coach available and hire for personality. Like you said, I've just never like seen it. I, mean, I, you, I think that's, a, I think that's a scenario where like, there's probably a handful of boxes that could make that happen. Meaning like you're running a really successful affiliate. You have the, you have the monetary means of hiring somebody that is that, that is that good. We'll, we'll call it 1% of all affiliates. A hundred. Well, like you just did with this new coach, right? A level three coming in um, is unusual, but you've put yourself in a position where people want to move to the area to work for you. Yeah. So it's, it's not common. I, I would, I want everybody to get there where like, where there's, there's opportunity abound, but we're, we're not there yet. And that's the whole purpose of the show. But anyway, um, so you have to go with a, a less than ideal candidate. I think you always you always screen for being a good teammate first. And and more often than not, as an affiliate owner, these will be members that work their way up. Yeah, and they're like, oh, Susie doesn't really know what's going on. And I'm like, that's okay. The, the other guy who you think is good actually doesn't know what's going on either. But they're just fit. and They've confused you on what good looks like. Yeah, and, and for the record, when an affiliate is looking for a new coach, they often just jump to the fittest person, which isn't the right decision. If you were to canvas the best coaches, the vast majority of them also, not coincidentally, have the best people skills. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that they had good people skills before they were a good coach. So if you screen for good people skills, that's a really, really good litmus test for being a good teammate at which point okay well then they're 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 going to get a lot of leeway from the clientele because they have good people skills for having a lack of a skill set at which point we just get them up to speed whenever how, as fast as we can um you know like what does that look like it depends you know you've got you've got two kind of there's two ways I can build an internship process, right? I can build it based on outcomes or I can build it based on time. Time is the less ideal scenario. Outcomes is is the most ideal, meaning like they can do what I need them to do. Great. But time, sometimes the time is not up to me. Sometimes the time is like, oh shit, I got to do one right now. And I'm like, okay, 
well, I can still screen for outcomes on a shorter time frame. at which point I'll identify where, where do we need to start first? So you bring in somebody who doesn't know anything, but they have a great personality. People like them. I'm like, cool. What's the first thing I can teach them? The first thing I can probably teach them is logistics, group management, write a lesson plan, understand the lay of the land on how to create a, a, a well-designed class layout. Like that's actually not that hard. You know, everything else will come much, much later. But the reality is like, if you have good group management, it makes up for a lot of being not good at other things. Like the, most people are not going to know the difference anyway. Yeah. I think, you know, that's the biggest thing to overcome. And part of that is now it's your responsibility to develop these people. Right. And this is where I think my experience is like the, the, the harder you dive in at the, at early on in the process, the, the better off you will be. So if I, if I just, if I let, if I cut somebody loose early on, the harder it will be to, to fix whatever problems will arise. The earlier I intervene in that process, the less I will have to intervene later. So it's like, it's one of those like pay me now or pay me later, but you're going to have to pay. Right. So it's like, you know, in your talk, right? Like, Hey, it's, it's painful either way, which, which version of pain do you want? You know, and I think people forego short-term pain because they think long-term pain is going to be better in some sense. Well, it, it's, it's not always easy, but this is the benefit of being an affiliate owner. You're going to bring people on. It's your responsibility to develop them. And it's your responsibility to take action when things go sideways. And so, and this, the, this is kind of what, here's what I would think I want the biggest takeaway of the podcast to be, which is most of the time that we deal with the coaching problems, it's, it's an emergency. An emergency is in fact an emergency, which is like, you're just going to have to triage the scenario and do, and it is going to be what it is going to be. You're going to have to, you're going to have to do the best that you can with that, whatever it might be. And I have no idea what that looks like. I've got a thousand different things. What I want everybody to think about is like, how do I solve that future problem? Which is always be putting people into the pipeline, right? Well, like I don't have anybody. I'm like, did you ask? Did you ask anybody? Did you ask a hundred times? If you ask a hundred times, you will start getting takers. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, you're simply not asking enough, right? Where do I ask? Everywhere. Ask everybody, any person, the guy at the cashier at the grocery store, whatever, who cares? Just ask, fill the pipeline. If you're constantly filling the pipeline, you'll always have reserve folks in there. And going back to like, you don't find good coaches, you make them. The first shift I have to make is I have to just start jamming that pipeline with potential prospects, at which point, at some point down the road, I'll have a solid staple of candidate or solid staple of candidates. And that's the real takeaway, which is like, how do I bring on teammates? Well, you start training them six months ago. That's how you bring on good teammates. You start training and screening for teammates before you need them. Because the moment you're like, fuck, I need somebody, that's an emergency. Nothing ideal happens in an emergency. Like virtually in, in no scenario is something, are you going to get optimal outcome in one of those, in those situations? And I would, I would contend, but chime in here, Jay, 99% of the things or the situations that people bring us are emergent. Is that fair? Yeah. 
It's <laughs> it's never. I'm considering the long term play, and it's always like this is happening right now. Right, and I'm like, well, I, there's only so many things I can do in that scenario. It's like, hey, what do I do in the in the in the event of a fire? You pull the fire alarm. <laughs> Like you just get out of the building. Like I don't like not in like in some sort of like as fast as you can, right? Like you you leave all the shit on your desk and you and you go outside, right? And and I think th I think that's just really what it is. Is like you have to solve that, however you have to solve it, and you have to bring on somebody and you have to deal with the outcome of that, and then immediately have to need to shift to like, okay, now what do I do? Which is like I just start getting people ready before I think I'm going to need them. There will be so many things that you will, there'll be so many skill sets that you will develop, whether it be like reading people or communicating or just getting better at the craft of coaching by doing it this way, that you'll just get better and better at it. And what will happen is the time that it requires you to make a coach goes from this long to this long. And at which point I'm like, how long do you need to make a really good coach? I'm like, I don't know, 90 days, maybe ish. Like the, the, somebody who's like, not great, don't get me wrong, but who's like, can run a good class. 90 days. You know what I mean? So start making good coaches yesterday. Like it, that way, what, like how do I bring on coaches all the time? I'm constantly bringing on coaches, right? This, I, I tell people like the second that you don't have somebody like in the internship process is you have a problem. You have, you now have a future problem. We just don't know how far down the calendar that problem exists. So start making them now. So if you're listening to this and you have no candidates, like you just have your coaching staff and you have nobody else. In, in the waiting room. You need to go put people in the waiting room right now. Yeah, when's the best time to develop a coach? Six months ago? Six months ago. When's right? the next Six best time? Today. Today, right? And that, But again, that is a less than optimal yeah, time. So start today for yourself in the future. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Best Hour of Their Day podcast. We appreciate you listening and choosing to have us help you in your passion for coaching and affiliate ownership. You can find more episodes just like this on all podcast platforms. If you're interested in learning more, you can reach out to us on any social media platforms, or you can visit www.besthouroftheirday.com to book a call. If you found this episode helpful for you, please share it so that we can help other coaches and affiliate owners to help build a bigger and stronger CrossFit community. Thanks for listening.